All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining. Well, good afternoon now, Tim. We got a late start on this beautiful Monday morning. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope you had a good weekend. I know I did. It was nice, Tim. It was a nice weekend. We had some fun. The weather was great. We got outside. It was a nice weekend. What about you? Uh, it was good. You know what I did? I did my in first in three or four years, the first World War II reenacting thing that I hadn't done since before I moved to Michigan. And we talked about it like a long time ago. The newer yeah. fans of the show probably don't know, but yeah, it was cool. Just about an hour away from me, big event. There was like an air show. There was a uh, military, a gun show, all kind of stuff. A few thousand people there. And uh, yeah, this new unit I joined had a little setup and weapons and uh, uniforms and tents and all that. It was pretty cool. So for, yeah, for those of you who don't know, let me fill in. Tim is a LARP. He LARPs um, nope. World nope. War II reenactor reenactor different well how is it different larping is like it's i don't know it's like it's like role play and um i don't know fantasy stuff it's not like reenacting is much more meticulous it's very historical base it's very accurate and it's a way to like honor veterans and it's not I mean, there's certain, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a gray. There's, there's an overlap probably, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Okay. All right. Well, excuse me. It just seems like it's the same thing. You get dressed up and you pretend to fight, but anyways, it's all semantics, right? Tim, who cares? You know what? It's, it's, uh, there are some, I'll be nice. Some dorky people, some odd ducks in the hobby, if you can believe it. And uh, it's hard to it's hard to spend a whole day or a weekend with those guys sometimes. It's like, the, I'm just like the, the LARPing or the the role play, or what do you call yours? Reenactors, yeah. Re-ena- it's just which ones has the geeks? <laughs> they they probably both do. Uh, okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I when I joined, I did it with my college buddy, just like two history buffs, you know, back in Boston five years ago, six years ago. And it was cool to hang out with him and everything. And like, even like in around all the weird dudes, like I could still just, we could just do our own thing. But now he's back in Boston. I'm down here 
and there's no one to like, there's no one to escape to with. So how do you find this group? Do you just go on like reenactment webpage and say anybody around? Uh, basically. Yeah. I reached out to this group and looking for something in North Carolina and a few people reached out to recruit me and I picked the one that I liked. So, so which battle did you reenact from world war two? This one wasn't a, a battle. This is a, called a living history. So you just like display everything and people come through all day and just sort of answer questions, show off a couple of little weapons demonstrations. Um, it's just like traveling back in time for them, but no, it wasn't a, there's no fighting at this one. Did people ever get put off by your vast collection of German paraphernalia? How you seem to be focused and almost fascinated with the German side of everything and how much <laughs> you like really appreciate some of that thing. Come like, on. There's no, people? there's no German stuff there. Some, some events do usually not the public ones, but it is a very touchy subject, especially the last couple of years. Like, for for decades, that was a thing, reenacting different sides of like the Civil War and World War Two, World War One, Vietnam, everything. And um, obviously, anything Nazi stuff is a super, super touchy, sensitive subject that you got to be careful how you do it if the public's going to be there. Um, and there's ways to do it. I believe that that's that's OK without, you know, feeling like you're honoring Nazi Germany or anything. But some people might disagree with that. I think it's important to just do the whole thing. It's like, if you're going to do, do a world war two, you have to obviously talk about the German perspective inside. And yes, right. at the end of the day, they lose rightfully. So good for us. The good guys won, but you can't just ignore that it happened. You know, you it, know it's part of history. And the guys, people have multiple like impressions and uh, uniforms and everything that they do. And so no one really does just German. They'll have, a few different American impression based like Marine air force, you know, paratrooper or whatever. And then they'll have a, a German unit that they do sometimes. And so it's not like they they're looking for an outlet to dress up as a Nazi. It's just like a part of the historical living thing that they do. Well, yeah. Nobody wants to be the bad guy in the battle. Someone's got to, someone's got to play it. You kind of just, yeah. well, this time I'll be, uh, you know, the Americans next time I'll be the Germans, you know, just one of those things. Yeah, yeah, it's about it's a little more complicated. Yeah, it's about right. All right. Well, speaking of just enemies, right? Just teams, <laughs> but countries that don't like each other. Bad times. There was a when I'm there was a, when I'm fighting wars, I get hungry. And when I get hungry, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to segue into a couple of rivals that really have built up a good rivalry throughout the short tenure they've had in the NHL, and that's the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. Not only are they geographically close, because San Jose is a hop, skip, and a jump from Vegas. I believe it's only a, a four or five hour car ride. They played each other to some heated playoff battles four or five years ago when Vegas entered the, the league. Gosh, three, four years ago, not that long ago. Well, they did it again a couple nights ago. They met up, and there was some playoff implications on the line. Not for the San Jose Sharks. They've been out of it for the last two months. The Knights, Tim, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I can't seem to wrap my head around this team. I, I know we had a, a tweet from somebody who said they weren't going to listen to us because all we do is talk about the Knights. Well, guess what? They're one of the few teams that are in a playoff battle right now, and they've been in just 
a dramatic drama filled team this whole season. And how can you not talk about a team that's just constantly in the news? They acquire Jack Eichel. They have all this injuries. They have all these guys in the LTIR, their goaltenders in and out of the lineup. It's just been a mess for the Vegas Golden Knights the whole season. Now they're scratching and clawing for a playoff playoff um, berth when they should have been arguably the best team in the Western conference. Well, they can't seem to get out of their own way. Like I said, last week, they had their whole cavalcade of players. All the guys are back from the injury bug. They, everybody's back. They play the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks are a bad hockey team at this point in the season. They have no business being there, but they have a rivalry. And they were getting jacked up for this game. What did Timo Meyer say, Tim, before this game versus the Vegas Golden Knights? I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, the game was on Sunday night last night, and he was asked on Saturday in a presser about, you know, the the implications of this game, knowing that the Vegas are kind of in must-win mode, and they have been for a while. And, and Timo Meyer, who hasn't been shy about being a vocal leader for the team and being outspoken against against the Knights and how the, all these teams don't like him, he said they're intending to put, quote, all their energy into winning this game and spoiling the Vegas Golden Knights playoff chances, which is, that's kind of represents the, the Sharks' feelings and how they approached last, last night's game. He said it was the biggest game of the season. Like, it, it, it was that important for these guys for them to say in, in the media before the game that this was the biggest game of our season. And he had players from the, around the league texting him and prompting him and encouraging him and reaching out, which to me is unbelievable because the NHL, it's a small tight knit community. There's only 700 players in the league. Everybody, you know, for the most part, is, is friendly. You want the best for everybody. You don't want anybody to get hurt. You don't really root against other teams, yes, if I, if I play for the Dallas Stars or the Nashville Predators or other teams around the league, I don't want Vegas to win. But if I am in the league, I'm not texting another player on another team saying, hey, I need this one. Come on, let's go, let's go. We, we really need you to beat Vegas so we can get to the playoffs. Maybe I would text a guy from San Jose like I've done. I, I've done it the last few years. Like, hey, good luck tonight, big game. Hope you guys get the W. I really don't like the Oilers or I don't like the Leafs or I don't like the Hurricanes or whoever it might be. He was getting text messages from guys on other teams saying, we really want you to beat the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. That, to me, just speaks volumes of really how much nobody likes the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's not a player. It's not this. It's not that. It's the organization as a whole. To me, it's how they do their business, how they go about as a team, how they carry themselves. And for a team to get that type of reputation in only five years of existence, that's not a good look. It's not good at all. Like you, you want to be well liked by other players. You want to be a destination for a player, for for as an organization for players. And if you're getting guys to be like, "Hey, I, I hope you kill these guys. We don't like them." That's not a good look, Tim. What did you think when you heard this? Because it, to me, it just blows my mind. Well, it's not only that. Like they've only been in existence for a few years, and everyone hates them already. The first year. They were the darling of the league and in the sports yeah. world. Like everyone loved them. Everyone was rooting for them unless you were playing them. Like this is the team that everyone could get behind. It was the, the land of misfit toys. And they went on that playoff run, the Stanley Cup final. Like it was awesome. And how quickly they, they came crashing down speaks to I think it's a, it's a mix of a few different things. It's the personalities on the team. There are some players there that um maybe guys don't don't love and then it's also the, what the organization has done and this is probably the bigger one in the way that they've treated players and the way that they've some of the moves they made and and certainly the the, the biggest one is releasing Marc-Andre Fleury right after he wins his Vezina trophy 
And he finds out via Twitter, like it was just all of these, this poor, and there were more before that too, just poorly handled situation by the ownership and leadership groups. And um, yeah, the players, uh, it's, it's easy to root against them now. Well, even going back to the expansion draft, there, there's stories that are known that the GM made deals with other GMs and then just went against his word and just kind of went rogue and, and did whatever he wanted to do, or he would have a deal with this guy and then he backed out and then took a player who the GM thought maybe was untouchable, like a Jonathan Huberto or scared, not, not a Jonathan Huberto, a Jonathan Marshall. Marsh yeah. So there, there were, you know, some things that maybe didn't sit well with GMs and players. And then you have the whole Evgeny Dadanoff situation this season where you, you try to trade him and rightfully so you probably know you can't trade him, but you try to go ahead and pull a fast one in the NHL. You said the Mark Andre Fleury thing, and he is loved in the NHL like across the board. There's not one player that I've met or heard of or talked to that has anything but great things to say about Marc-Andre Fleury. And for you to do him dirty like that and to just disrespect a future first ballot Hall of Famer, a guy who just won you a Vesna, that's just, it's a little bit slimy. And now it appears they're not on good footing with their starting goaltender, Robin Lehner. And we all know Robin Leonard's history. We all know he battles with mental issues. He's been well, you know, documented. He's very vocal about that. And he, he's upfront about that. Apparently, allegedly, he had a knee injury March 8th. He's been playing through the injury. He's been, you know, fighting through it. He's played some games. He's been some healthy uh, scratches, doing maintenance on his knee. There were some issues. He wasn't happy with the organization because Robin is a very private person when he wants to be this is all allegedly this is all what i'm hearing and he was upset that all of this medical stuff was being filtered out to the media where he's like hey man this is my personal information i don't want this getting out there can you guys please keep it under keep it under wraps and stuff kept trickling out he's not happy with it so the last straw was he was playing a game last week after the first period he got pulled by DeBoer for whatever reason and he's like fine you know what you guys want to play this game with me i'm going to get the surgery i'm done I'm not playing again. I'm just going to go and get my, like my knees hurt. I don't have to injure it more. I'm just going to go and get the surgery. Some things happen. They talked to the Knights. DeBoer was saying he's not going to get the surgery. All of a sudden, he's the backup goaltender last night during this crucial game with the San Jose Sharks. So that's the drama that we're talking about with the Vegas Golden Knights. So this game, we'll fast forward to last night. They're up four to two. They're in a great situation. This is a must win game for them. And they need to win this game to even have a chance to make the playoffs. They're still at this time. They're still three points back of the the Dallas Stars, and they this is their game that they had in in hand. Sorry, they're four points back. Four two. San Jose Sharks do or die. Two and a half minutes left. Pull their, pull their goaltender. Nick Bedino scores a weak goal on Logan Thompson, like just an absolute muffin from the point. Not really a screen. I know Timo Meyer took a swing at the puck, didn't even hit it. It just goes through Thompson. I don't know if he was expecting a tip and playing the deflection, but whatever the case, 4-3. They pull the goalie again. Pressure. Burns knocks the puck down at the blue line, takes a shot. I can't believe we're talking about a game like this. Good play by Burns to knock it down. Great quick play. Shot. Really good play. Quick shot on net. Again, a savable shot that should never have had a rebound. Yes, there's a little bit of traffic, but if you're an NHL goaltender, you have to swallow that puck and you have to be sticky. There should be no rebound on this play. He leaks the puck out. Timo Meyer's sitting right there. He shoots the puck in. There's like 0.7 seconds on the clock. San Jose goes wild. Timo is mocking the Vegas Golden Knights bench. He's whooping it up. They go to a shootout. Obviously, San Jose wins. Vegas 
their playoff hopes are all but just done. They have three games left. They play the Dallas Stars on Tuesday. This will be a massive game. So they can win this game versus Dallas and pull within one point with two games left and potentially potentially come back. But the way they've been playing, the fact that Robin Lanner is not around, this is a heartbreaker. You, you have to get another point out of this game to just even have a chance for the playoffs. Now they're just, they're behind the eight ball. What did you think of this whole thing, Tim? It, it, it was quite the game for a team that's been out of the playoffs since January to upset a team that needs to win this game. Oh, it was a great game. I, I caught the beginning of it. I ended up going to bed and I saw what happened this morning and Pete Blackburn on Twitter posted, I couldn't have said it better. He's like, there's no funnier way for the Vegas Golden Knights season to end than what just happened in this game. Not just like, it's the whole story. Like the fact that Meyer was saying that the day before and the night of and and then to come back and win. And this other part of this, we haven't really touched on yet, but we talked about it in other episodes. Jack Eichel, for the fourth game in a row, puts up no points. And in those four games, with the playoff implications on the line, they need, they need their best guys to be their best guys. Zero points, 10 total shots in those four games is a minus two. And adding insult to injury, you get the shootout attempt last night in the, in the game against the Sharks, doesn't even score. It's just, it's the, it's just it couldn't be written better. It's the, 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 the chef's kiss after the meal. It's like, what a beautiful dinner. Zero points. It's just embarrassing. It, from a, like, I'm going to Buffalo on Friday. I'm going to sit there. They're doing a big going away thing for Rick Jenneret. It's the last game of the season. So they wanted to fly in some alumni who the fans like. And I'm lucky enough to be one of those alumni who, who still have a good relationship with Buffalo. So I'll go in, I'll sign some autographs. I'll throw some t-shirts around and say goodbye to RJ, who is an institution in Toronto. He is the better, Buffalo. more polished version of Jack Edwards. Like he's the opposite, opposite world. It's like the George Costanza, but Jack Edwards is the bad George and RJ is the good George. So I'm going to go there, say goodbye to RJ. And I just want to pick everyone's brain. I want to talk to fans. I want to talk to the players. I want to talk to Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck. How sweet it is that Jack Eichel has just been an epic flop for the Vegas Golden Knights. For a guy that they paid so much for, for a guy that just caused so much hoopla in the offseason and just caused just so many waves. He's absolutely flopped with the Vegas Golden Knights. They have the same record, almost. I think Buffalo might have a slightly better record than the Vegas Golden Knights since the trade. Isn't that remarkable to you? Like, that—that that is remarkable to me. Like, even without Jack Eichel, Vegas has a vastly better team than Buffalo Sabres. And they still have the same record. And Vegas plays in the worst division in hockey. So they get all these cupcake matchups versus San Jose, versus Arizona, versus um, all these bad teams in the Pacific Division. Like, Buffalo has to play some good teams in the East. So it's, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be very, very sweet. I saw another good tweet that compared Eichel to like a um, he's a superstar in name only, a la Jake Cutler, where like his reputation for being a star is is so different from what he's actually doing on the field on the ice. When you look at his stats and and you really give it a good look, he really is. He had one good season where he had eighty two points in seventy seven games, and I guess the next season he had seventy eight and sixty eight. Other than those two seasons, he's been very pedestrian. Yeah, he's been a good player. Not quite a point per game the other three seasons, but very pedestrian. Not nothing to like write home about. Not not something you want to throw ten million dollars at a guy and build your franchise around him and say you're my guy. Yes, like he's a really good player. But to think that he was drafted just one pick after Connor McDavid and there was almost 
some thoughts that he was as good as uh, Connor McDavid. It's crazy. They're not even in the same category. Not even in the same category. Everyone was talking about it. Like in any other year, he's the number one overall pick. Like go back four years, five years, go forward five years. Like he is, the, he is a generational talent that just happened to be stuck behind McDavid and is not looking like that anymore. No. And then the, the, the broader point with Vegas, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Where do you go from here? Like I was hoping they were going to squeak into the playoffs, but that barring a complete just collapse by the Dallas stars, like barring a complete, just like we are going to completely bungle. Even if they lose the game versus the Knights, they play the coyotes on Wednesday and they play the ducks on Friday, two winnable games versus teams that they should win. So even if they lose those two games, they should make it into the playoffs. That begs the question. Where do you go from here with the Vegas Golden Knights? Your starting goaltender wants out. He's had nothing but problems since he's been there. He's signed for three more years at $5 million. He's had a barrage of injuries the last few years. Who's going to want to take Robin Lanner? And then they, you have to look at their roster. Who do we remove? Who do we keep? We still have dad enough for another season. He knows we don't want him to be here. We still got like all these guys under contract. We got a couple RFAs we have to take care of. I don't want to get into it now, but they are in big, big trouble. This was their year because it's not going to look pretty next year when you try to fit everything under the cap. It really is not. So we'll get into this at a later date, but boy, from a team that was just a Cinderella story three, four years ago to where we are now, it's, it's quite the progression and fall from grace for the Vegas Golden Knights. It really is. You have to work hard as a GM, as a head coach to just scuttle your team this this quickly in such a short amount of time to go from the Stanley Cup finals to go from this the darling of the NHL and now everybody hates you and you're going to miss the playoffs that's the part that's hard to measure is like all this reputational stuff and and this you know the, the the way they treat their players i think it's going to hurt them in ways that we don't really necessarily recognize yet or maybe i could be wrong but like like you said who's going to want to go there what goalie is going to want to go there like it's just I think this is going to continue, even if despite the fact that they're they're faltering and missing the playoffs, most likely there's all these other like unquantifiable things going on that that makes this not a desirable location and not a not a fun team to root for. No, not at all. And it's going to bite them in the behind. There's some good UFAs coming up this offseason. There's a couple from Calgary, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk. There's a Brock Besser. There's a lot like there's a lot of players. Claude, you're, he's older. Yes, they're like there's Malkin, there's Giroud, there's Patrick Liney, there's Chris Latane, Mark Andre Fleury. I'm talking about younger players who you can. Liney is like 23, though. You forget. He's, I would not. He's 24. I would not want to build my team around Patrick Liney. Yeah. No yeah. way, no how. He has done nothing but just throw question marks at his career and his ability ever since he's entered the league. He had his one good first year where he came out of the gate. Ever since then, he's such a streaky player where he'll score 20 goals in 10 games. Then he'll just disappear for a month and a half, and you don't know where he's gone or where he's going to be. So I am not going to build my team about a Patrick Lining. But but like the other guys I said, a Matthew Kachuk I would build my team around. A Johnny Gaudreau is still only 28 years old. He's got a lot of hockey left in him. Philip Forsberg is only 27 years old. you got a Brock Besser. He's a, he's a bona fide goal scorer. These are the guys who teams are clamoring for. And if I'm a player like this, and I get to pick and choose my team that I want to go to. And one of those teams is the Golden Knights. It's like, why would I want to go there when I see how they treat their star players, when I see how, see how they treat a guy who just won the Vesna for them? I, there's no chance that you're going to go there when you have an opportunity to go to another organization who has a proven track record of 
paying their players, treating them right and doing them, you know, good when they want to leave or there's a contract dispute or something like that. So once you get that label until you get your GM out of there, your coach out of there and change the culture, you're handcuffed. And there are teams that have that reputation around the league and teams just don't want to go play for those guys. So it's something that they, they paint themselves in this corner and they're just going to have to live with the, the ramifications of that for the next few years. So good for the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know they would have absolutely been in on the Evander Kane thing if the Sharks weren't in the same division as them because there's no way the Sharks would send them to Vegas. But that's exactly the player they would have gone after if they could have. Oh, Evander uh, spends most of his time in Vegas. It'd be a perfect fit. He wouldn't even have to buy a house. The the the, the hotels would have comped him one. It would have been a fantastic fit. It would have really, really would have been good. He would have had to pay up front because I think there's been some history of him not maybe paying bills at the hotels. But you know, give him a little down payment. And then, you know, we'll go from there. They could, he could just send his checks. Uh, we're, getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. You know what happens when I go to Vegas? I get hungry. And, the, you know, there, there are a couple restaurants there, but I like to stay in my room. The rooms are fantastic. The views are great. I order DoorDash, Tim. Is that what you do when you're in Vegas? You get DoorDash? Sure do. Every time. It's every time. It's a no-brainer. So you can do that, too. The next time you go to Vegas and you got a big pile of chips surrounding you just order doordash you don't have to leave your room at all it's fantastic use promo code gloves dd us gloves dd if you're in canada get 25 percent off and free delivery get yourself some food it's a fantastic company you can get food in your belly very quickly and you get a discount to boot because you're using our promo code gloves dd us if you're in the usa and gloves dd if you're just in canada all right moving on some concerning news tim from an eastern conference Stanley Cup contender. The Carolina Hurricanes, a team that I think, you know, really dropped the ball at the trade deadline. They brought in Max Stomey, who has done well. He's played okay, but he's not necessarily lighting the world on fire, making a huge impact like a Claude Giroux or Ben Sherratt or a, a cop for the New York Rangers. These guys are really kind of putting their stamp on that team. They got some big injury news. Freddie Anderson went down with an injury last week. He was their starting goaltender. He's had a great season, really, really um, playing well for the Carolina Hurricanes. Their backup, Antti Ranta, hurt himself last game versus the New Jersey Devils. So in a span of a week and a half, they have lost both of their starting goaltenders. And these two guys are splitting time. They're good goaltenders. Any, any one of those guys I would be confident with going into the, into the playoffs, just based on Carolina's defense. They, they have a lockdown, very responsible forward core. They're, they're very well coached defensively. When you throw a rookie goaltender out there, I know they have this guy. I don't know if he's from the KHL or wherever he's from, but he has some pro experience. He's only played two NHL games to date. Do you feel confident going into the playoffs if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, you're the number two seed in the East, you're most likely going to line up with your Boston Bruins. Are you hitting the panic button now? Are you you nervous that you're going to be ousted in the first round because you don't have a goaltender? Well, so what's what's the timeline on either of these guys? Are, will they be back? Do we know? Rod Brindamore typically keeps things close to his vest. Same with same with the GM there. So nobody knows. Nobody knows the timeline. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Brindamore said we're just going to play it day to day. We don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know. The um, anti ranta play looked really, really bad. It's it's a non-contact injury. He he just kind of hyperextended his right leg reaching for a puck, controlled the rebound, made the save. It was versus the Islanders, excuse me, not the Devils. He just kind of hyperextended his right pad. It's a very innocuous play, shot from the point, nothing really serious, no players around. 
those plays are the ones that make me nervous because you're not getting hit. No, you're not having someone lean on you. You just, your leg gives out. He tried to come back and play a little more. And he's like, I can't do it. I've seen that. I've been around a goalie who's had that injury. It usually ends bad. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully he's back. They have a big game tomorrow versus the New York Rangers. That does have playoff implications. The Rangers are right behind him in the standings. They have a game in hand. So there is a potential of the Rangers to pass the hurricanes. And then if you're the hurricanes, you have to line up and play Pittsburgh in the first round, which Nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to play Boston, but I would say nobody wants to play the Pittsburgh Penguins even more so. So I don't know. If I'm a fan of the Hurricanes, I'm very nervous right now. Very, very nervous. Their top scorers have been playing okay. Their defense is just incredible, like I've said. Their third line has been out of this world. They remind me of the HBK line. They, they, it's Stahl, it's Nito, Nito Ryder, and it's, gosh, I can't remember who the third line is. They're just bigger. They get in on the forecheck. They create turnovers. They've been scoring really well, and they're just a dangerous third line in the playoffs. So uh, I like their team. It's Jesper Fast. That's who it is. Excuse me. But, yeah, without a goaltender, Tim, I don't see Carolina getting out of the first round. Yeah, well, anyway, you slice it, and they're probably most likely statistically they'll keep their spot and they'll get they'll get first in the Metro and they'll play Boston, and that's a tough matchup. It's not an easy matchup for for either of those teams. I'm not saying without a goalie, the Boston's going to walk all over them, but this is not. Gosh, even even with Freddie, I don't even know how confident I am in this team. I don't know. I know I, I know you kind of feel the same way. There's something about the Carolina Hurricanes that just you're not ready to buy in just yet, and um, without a goalie, even more so. But I feel comfortable with them in the first round with the Freddie Anderson. He's had a great season. He's got a, a two seventeen goals against average, is nine twenty two save percentage. He's he's having a good season. You know what I mean? He's a guy who can get me by the Bruins. Who although Patrick, no, he just Bruins. He doesn't do well against the Bruins. Well, when he's with the Leafs, the Hurricanes have the be- one of if not the best defensive team in the NHL. Their their top six D men are really really good. They're really responsible. Brady Shea, Brett Pesci. They're so good. And their forwards, they take chances when they need to, but they're very responsible. Sebastian Ajo, he's widely known as being one of the best two-way forwards in the league. So I like the way this team's set up. I, I think they would have breezed by the Bruins maybe in five, but without Freddie Anderson, I don't know, Tim. And then all of a sudden, if you're the Boston Bruins, you're looking at the way the, the brackets are being set up, and it's like, hold on a second. We could play the Hurricanes without their two starting goaltenders in the first round. Then after we get by them, if we get by them, we're going to play the Rangers or the Penguins. It's not bad. That's not a bad path to the Eastern Conference Finals. In contrast, if if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning, or the Florida Panthers, you guys have to just beat each other up in the first and second round to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So things could be worse for the Bruins. They, they really could be worse, but uh, tough luck for the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, think about what that means, too. Like, you know, Tampa is three points ahead of the Bruins, same amount of games played. They're most likely, you know, barring anything crazy, going to stay there. And their their reward for having a better season is playing Toronto in the first round and then Florida in the second round if they're able to beat Toronto. Like, how, it's crazy how that works out. Do you think that's an indicator? I know some people don't love the 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 bracket system now. The playoff system, is it broken? Is this, is this fair that this is the reality? Or this is this just sort of a – that's the way she goes sometimes? It's just, it, it ebbs and flows every single season. Sometimes it's fair. Sometimes it's not this year. It's not going to be fair. It, it happened. I predicted it two weeks ago. Every team in the Eastern conference has a hundred points. First time in history. It, it's, it's remarkable that it, it kind of worked out this way. Every team in the top eight has a hundred points. The next closest after Washington, who has a hundred is the Islanders who have 80. That 20 point gap is insane. 
Like usually you have teams, you know, 80, 89, 90, 96, a team that maybe played well at the beginning of the season and faltered or this and that. 20 points is a huge chasm when it comes to points in an NHL season. That's unheard of. So it's just one of these seasons where you're going to get a hard matchup in the second round, regardless. The first, first round is going to be hard matchup. So what are you going to do? Like, the Rangers are going to end up playing Carolina in the second round who has 112 points. So they're going to end up playing the Washington capitals. So every team in this, in this division is dangerous, Tim. There, there's no way around it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't mind the playoff format. It is what it is. You either have to go re-rank all 16 teams when the season's over, or you just leave it as is it is. It is what it is. What are you going to do? All right. We got a funny Twitter question, Tim. What was that? Well, I asked a question uh, last night on Twitter and, and Instagram about uh, describing a player who's just like a mediocre average player, but always seems to do well against your own team. Like all of a sudden, like every time we play Montreal and, and Brendan Gallagher, suddenly Mar- Wayne Gretzky. Right. And uh, we got some really funny responses. And most of them were like related to if you're a rookie making your NHL debut, you're going to score two goals against our team. That's just how it always happens. Or if you're a, a backup, you know, a goalie or an AHL goalie getting, getting called up, you're going to get a shutout against our team in your debut. That's just the way it goes. That's some really funny stories. Some like in specific players too. But it was, it was some really clever uh, responses there. Wow. Great one, Tim. I wish we would have had some examples, but no, I guess not. All right, we're going to do some quick hits here. Uh, unless you have a few examples, I don't know. I just no, I thought it was funny. I can give I can give specific examples, but I don't know. It doesn't that's not going to relate to everyone's team. Jamie Langenbrunner came up a bunch. Uh Brendan Lemieux came up a bunch. Uh I I I said uh um Alexei Emelin when he was playing defense for the for the Canadians. He was like a wrecking ball out there. I never wanted to play him, but he never like put up any points, never did much, but I don't know. Maybe it was funnier on social media. You had to be I there. Guess you had to be there. You either get see, it or you don't. Did you see Petrie's hit versus Bergeron? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that? I was fine with it. Yeah, I was fine. You weren't up in arms like all the Bruins fans. Oh, how dare you hit Bergeron? No, I mean I have, no, and I understand why Marshawn defended him too. Like, but no, the, the hit was clean. I was good with it. All right, let's get to some quick hits. We had another franchise record, Tim. Another. This, I will say this. This season has set a record for the amount of records set. It's an amazing record to get. Kyle Connor got his 45th goal franchise record. Surprising you 45th goal to be a franchise record with some of the players that have been through that. It's it's since they've the second incarnation of the Winnipeg Jets. It's not the initial one because you got Timu Solani who's 76. Right. You have other high goal scorers, Dale Howard Chuck. So it's the second incarnation of the Winnipeg but Jets. Wait. But does that include Atlanta, though? Because surely Kovalchuk had more than that, right? I think it's the second carnation of those in six years, whatever it's been. (laughs) Okay. So it's still a record. It's still a great record. Because you would have thought Patrick Line had maybe gotten a few goals or a Wheeler or a Shifley. A guy like that had scratched 50 goals, but I guess not. So it's it's a big day. We got to talk about yeah. it. Another franchise record. Kovalchuk had 50 goals twice for Atlanta. So yeah, it doesn't include that. No, and it doesn't include the, the goals before they went to Atlanta. So it's kind of a hollow record, but all in all, it's still a record. Get Slap played his last NHL game. First ballot Hall of Famer, Tim. Hall or not. Remember we used to do that? Yeah, we did him. He's not a Hall of Famer. No? No. no. 
he's never had 100 points, never won any major trophies. He won the, the cup, obviously, but he's never been the best player in the league, even for a single season. And so he's a very good player. His number will be retired, but no, not a Hall of Famer. All number right. and retired well, in Anaheim. Yeah. I guess he's not getting your vote. So there's that. Pretty good career, though. Pretty good last game. So he was spinning assist. Pretty nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Very good. All right. Some concern in Washington, maybe. Also, Vetchkin gets injured, chasing a puck versus the Leafs, crashes into Call Green, back into the end boards. Is he okay, Tim? You're Washington insider. Is everything okay there with uh, Ovi? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's telling me the same thing. It's a shoulder injury. It's day to day. They're pretty zipped up, especially with the playoffs approaching, but not too concerning. They expect him back. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits out a game or two to end the season. See, I don't think he's going to sit out. I think they want, they still have the potential to get into that first wild card spot to just avoid the Florida Panthers. I don't think he's going to sit out unless they're mathematically eliminated from getting out of that last wild card spot. I don't think anybody wants to play the Panthers. They are just very, very strong. So I think he's going to be back. I think he's a very just versatile player. He plays through TJ OC said he's the toughest guy he's ever played with. He missed a couple games for COVID so, this year. Other than that, he's he's like guy plays every single every single game. Their last three games, they play the Islanders twice and the Rangers once. Yep. So that's a pretty good schedule that works in their favor. And they, they could easily get, you know, four or five points there. And the Bruins play Florida, Toronto, and Buffalo. So it's possible. Boy, oh boy. It's- the possibilities there for the Capitals to jump into that second wildcard spot. That would be, in, or first, whatever you, want to, however you want to look at it. But that's a big one, Tim. This jockeying for positions is, in the East Coast is real. Nobody wants to line up with the Carolina or the Florida Panthers. And sadly enough for the Toronto Maple Leafs, nobody wants to line up with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They, they just waxed the uh, Florida Panthers the other night. It was it was a dominant game by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They even, it was, or sorry, Florida waxed Tampa Bay. I can't remember what happened. No, Tampa Bay beat Florida. They, they outplayed Bay, yeah. eight yeah. to four, right? It was a great game. So, all right, moving on. Did you see the uh, Kuznetsov goal in the shootout versus Toronto? Yeah, I did. I did. What did you think of that? What did you think of the hot dog? It's like he was celebrating before the goal. He pushes the puck slightly in front of him, goes around the world with the stick three or four times lacrosse style, calmly picks up the puck again, goes in nice and slow, and just goes around Colgren. What Did you like that? You probably loved it. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a Kuznetsov guy. I just never really have been. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it. It does come across as pretty cocky, but that's the kind of like that's – if somehow these teams were to meet again in the playoffs, which they won't because Washington can't, they, there's no way. But if they were, that's like the kind of thing he's going to have to answer for again. I, I feel like that move should be illegal. The going in and not taking a stride and just slowly going in. The goaltender is at such a disadvantage because he has to, you still have to defend the shot. And the further back you go in your net, you're giving up more net and you can't play out and be aggressive because the guy's going so slow. You can't match his speed. He's at such a disadvantage when you just go in that slow, especially when you have good hands. Yes. It, it might not be good for a player like me because I don't have the hand quickness to backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand, and then quickly go to my backhand up, upstairs. But for the majority of people in the NHL, you you can pull off that move. And the poor goalies, they're at the mercy uh, of just the referee and the player, I, I feel bad for him. The only defense on that is to just pop out a poke check. But even then, the player is so good, their head's up the whole time. If you do the poke check, he's just going to eh, goal, empty net, move it from one side to the other. 
it's, I wish they would make a rule where you have to keep a certain pace or you have to just keep your legs moving or you have to just, you just have to be moving. You can't just almost slow to a complete stop. It just, to me, it's not even a shootout. It's just a guy coming in and waiting till he gets in close and just, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. it it's not indicative of a play that was going to happen during the game. I know when you get a breakaway, you, you have to keep skating. During the shootout, I think the anticipation was it's going to be like a breakaway. I don't know. It's not a hockey play. I don't like the shootout. I don't. Did you see Eric Hall is, uh, uh, what do they call it? The When you get tripped on a breakaway and you get a penalty shot. Penalty shot? shot you're, kill, you're killing yeah. it today, Tim. Oh, uh, yeah. Didn't it's a Monday. It's okay. Did you see I did it? not. I did not. Um, questionable penalty. Hoffman kind of back-checked him and – Maybe a penalty. I can make an argument either way, but um, Hollow gets a penalty shot and he skated and didn't touch the puck and then like skated past it, had to come, come back and pull it and the refs allowed it and they watched it again. They allowed it because he didn't, he didn't touch the puck, which you're allowed to do, but it was pretty ugly. And then he went in and scored and Montreal fans, you know, understandably were pretty upset about it. So he, it up now. he did whiff on it, didn't he? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah, if he would have touched it just one millimeter, he would not have been able to get it because it would have gone. Marshawn did that a couple of years ago. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, boy, oh boy. Hey, hey, it's the rules. What are you going to do? But yeah, the Bruins just get all the breaks. All right. One more thing. Marc-Andre Fleury just broke another record. Another record, Tim. Can you believe this? We we started the quick hits with the record. We're going to end it with the record. He broke his own record. Most consecutive appearances in the playoffs by a goaltender. He was at 15. Now he's at 16. The amazing thing with this is he hasn't done it with one team. He's bounced around. He went from Pittsburgh. He went to Vegas. Now he's with the Minnesota Wild. So it's kind of cool. You know, he, he's doing it with multiple teams over multiple years. He's having a great record with the Wild since he's been there. He's 6-1, and one, 921 save percentage. He should be their starting goaltender in the playoffs. The Wild and St. Louis Blues is going to be such a good first-round oh, matchup. Oh, must-watch on TV. I change my mind every day on who I pick in that series. It's crazy. Who do you got now? They're, bo- they're both the hottest teams in the NHL. The last 10 games, I think they both are undefeated. The, who, who would you I, take? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the St. Louis Blues are 9-0-1 in their last 10. Minnesota Wild is 8-0-2 in their last 10. That's remarkable. It's, 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 and then don't look now. The Avalanche, they look human. They do not look good. Recent, in their recent like stretch of games, they've lost four in a row. They look very, very human. The Western Conference, Tim, could be up for grabs. Who do you got, Minnesota or St. Louis right now? Lock it in. St. Louis, but I was oh, the right to change that later on. You're the worst. Friend of the show, Marcus Felino. How could you betray him like that? It's un- He listens. He's a very consistent listener. He's a friend of the show. How about future friend of the show, David Perron, right? No, never. Never friend of the show. There's a few non-negotiable people I will not have on the show. It's one of them. Him and Tom Sestito, the only two. All right, Tim, finish us off. We had a good Friday for points, bet. we made some people some do-re-mi. There's a lot of – let's do Tuesday's games because I don't like today's games. I don't think there's any, like, very big playoff implications. It's just the Flyers and the Hawks. Let's get to the Tuesday's games. There's some big, big games. Like we mentioned before, we got the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Then we got the Flames and the Predators, the Coyotes and the Wild. And then we also have the Hurricanes and the Rangers. So let's just pick a couple. Let's do it. Go to points bet. There's no promo code. Everybody can do it. Who do we got, Tim? 
All right, let's start with Carolina and the New York Rangers. I like the Rangers in that game. Yeah, what me too. You? That's a no-brainer. Shashirskin's probably going to get another shutout. He probably get two shutouts. He's so good. All right, who do we got? The Stars and the Knights. This is the big one. This is a huge. This game is the big one. Uh, I really think Dallas is gonna is gonna lock it down. I think they're they're gonna win this one. I hope so. Friend of the show, Joe Pavelski is gonna be playing in that game. Really, really hope they lock it down. Let's just finish off with the Blues and the Avalanche, a potential Western Conference final matchup. Who do you got for the Blues and the Avalanche? Um, this is making me think of of Toronto Tampa Bay from last week, and one of these teams is gonna try to send a message. I don't think yeah. we have like an eight to one drumming like we did. Um, mm, I'm going to say St. Louis. St. Louis. Okay. I like that. Well, there's your picks, everybody. Get over to points, bet, lock those in, and we will talk to everybody on Wednesday. Hope you have a good week so far. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.